I include a headline, you know, company you don't know releases product you don't care about. And uh, and you want to avoid anything that looks looks like that, yet that could be totally a template for a lot of those kind of posts or announcements. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. Today is a special episode because we are joined by Adam Duvanda, who was our very first guest. And Adam is coming back on the podcast because he's just launched a new book and I could not be happier for Adam to be here. Thanks so much for joining, Adam. Yeah, great to be back. Thanks for having me, Jack. And in that uh, intro, I forgot to actually do it. Uh, intro to you, but you are the founder of Every Developer. You help developer tools companies write really good content, and especially on the strategic side. And you are the author of the book, um, Developer Marketing Does Not Exist, which has kind of become, I'd say it's the the book on developer marketing at this point. Um, is there anything I missed that? And then the new book is Technical Content Strategy Decoded. And uh, the reason that that I wrote another one when I've already written this <laughs> this first one is the first one is very much the kind of philosophy, you know, from having seen developer relations and uh, uh, being a journalist on developer topics, and uh, now this new one is okay. We know the philosophy. We know how to approach this really uh, tough audience. Now let's here's how you actually do it. Here's the the actionable steps to uh yeah, to create more strategic content. The stuff that will that will they'll actually want to find and consume. Yeah, that that's and that's really, really helpful because I know, especially at the earliest stages, it's very well to know, you know, the philosophy like this is how it works. It's super helpful. But then a lot of the times you just kind of want to get your hands dirty and You've, you've got to be thinking about how do I get users coming in in the next two months? Uh, yeah. And I feel like this is going to hopefully answer that. And, you know, I think another thing that happens a lot of times is it's really easy to look at those dev tool companies that have been around for ages and and compare sort of what you're doing to what they're doing and that you have to do all the things that they're doing. And that can be really overwhelming. and. Uh, I mean, so Stripe, not necessarily known for their content, but certainly documentation and uh, and all of that for like, you know, that developer experience. And I think that's one also where you look at and you're like, oh, how do I how do I do all the things that Stripe is doing and do all of the publication that, you know, someone else, LogRocket, is doing? Uh, and yeah, I, I think you can get overwhelmed by trying to do too much. Yeah, I think it's actually in many ways more valuable to know what you shouldn't be doing at the beginning. And and so for Stripe, one of the things that I, uh, I've written about and I, is in the book also is looking back at like the real lesson to get from Stripe is to go back when they were smaller, maybe not as small as listeners are now, but... Um, I go back to their original landing page or one of the ones in 2011 and really the stuff that they get there is like, you can tell that they so understand the audience that is going to want to integrate payments because 
payments in 2011 was much harder than it is today. There wasn't sort of copy paste options. It was like set up a whole like merchant account and this other gateway thing. And what are those things? Right. And they talk about that on that original landing page is like, don't do this. You know, you don't need to do this anymore. Um, and I think that that shows how you can kind of get into the mind of the audience that will love the product that you have. And that's the stuff that I want to get from, from Stripe is like, how did they do that and become the Stripe that they are now? And, um, and so looking for those ways to unpack how, where that audience is, and then, um, you know, how can you, how can you find the, the high value things to do to reach that audience with that message? Yeah. And how, how digging in, like how can a startup start to kind of move towards having that kind of that communication, um, that Stripe had at that point? Yeah. I mean, at some level you have to you have to really understand who that audience is. And so, I mean, I go to into some ideas for how to unpack that in the book, but uh, at some level, you, you definitely have to know your audience. Uh, and I, I bet that a lot of, I mean, if you're a small dev tool team, there's a good chance that you started that, that company because you knew this problem was big enough that's, uh, that lots of other devs would have it too. So I think really digging into that piece and understanding why someone would go searching for a solution like yours is the way to, to get at what some of those topics are and kind of be the, so the, the first few chapters are about uh, being a translator and that, that, you know, you who are responsible for technical content for a dev tool you need to be that translator between those set of problems, those uh, that the things that the dev wants to achieve and eventually on your other side, the product. And there's a lot of space in between there. And so looking for the things that can kind of be that translation or that connective tissue in between there. Um, so one of, one of every developer's earliest clients is stoplight stoplight.io and they so their product is an api design tool needed by lots of large companies that have hundreds sometimes thousands of apis but a lot of what the content that we've worked on with them has been around uh open api or json schema the conventions and best practices around APIs. What are the things that you should be thinking about as a team who needs to produce these APIs in a consistent way, right? So it's it's really not about that product. It's more about the problem. And, um, and so being able to, to zero in on, on the ones that are going to have the most resonance with that that audience. And that's where I think trying to do too much can go, can go really wrong for especially a really small, uh, startup and, uh, seeing what others are doing and trying to do all of those things at once. And so one of the things that I talk about in the book is, is to think more in 
concepts than topics because a lot of times it's just really easy to say, oh, here's a new idea for a topic. Let's write this. Let's, you know, and you sort of are scattershot random with with how you're approaching content. Maybe because you have heard, oh, we need to post every day or whatever you've heard, right? Like uh, these huge volumes of content that are needed and um and instead taking a step back and saying what are the what are the ones that we could that there's more than one topic here right how where is something so in stoplights example it would be open api is this huge data format and there's so much that we could think about around open api and really seeing that i mean that's probably more than one concept <laughs> You know, open API is kind of like, I think of it like kind of like a, a tree. Maybe it's my, my dev background. It's like, you know, uh, uh, going between nodes. Right. And, um, and so you have these sort of categories that then you can get more specific and you can get more general as you climb at different levels in that tree. Uh, I don't know if that's, if that's going there for you. So you have open API at one level, but then there could be uh, really the data format within open API. Then there's the collaborate, like how do you collaborate on open API? And those are related, but two really different concepts. And which one of those you choose to go deep into uh, can impact who you're attracting to, uh, to your content. Yeah, that makes sense. So would a, a specific topic might be there, as you said, collaborating on open API? I I think that's more that's probably so I would consider that a concept because there are many ways you could talk about collaborating. Uh and so within a concept you will end up with multiple topics. Um so you know there could be uh, using your open API, putting your open API doc into a GitHub repo so that, uh, so that all the changes are visible, at least within your organization, maybe even broader. Right. So, um, and then like who writes the different pieces of the open API doc? Uh, I mean, who decides what the paths are? Um, you know, right? You can see how you can dig in even more to that, and maybe even you have you have engineers and you have tech writers. Is there someone else that's in there? I don't, you know, right? Like, depends on the organization. I bet a lot of organizations, it's entirely written by one of those audiences, and those of us listening here can probably think of the downsides of an engineer writing all of the. Uh, dev facing documentation. And also there's probably some downsides to a tech writer writing all of the, uh, all of the various, you know, the declaring the paths when they don't know how it's necessarily implemented. Right. So a lot of, a lot of things in there that you can kind of unpack, but if you were being scattershot, you might not get at some of those deeper topics. Whereas if you can think through what those, what those concepts are, then, um, then you really make the, 
the topics that you produce count or have the best chance of counting. And that's really the, the idea here is to, to, um, I mean, maybe you produce less, even if you produce the same amount, it's, it's being smart about which ones you, you take on. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And it's like, you're kind of, you know, you've got to work hard at picking your direction and then double down in that and kind of, I imagine you probably get better at it as well. So maybe it doesn't take as long to actually. Yeah. You start, start to get sort of that, uh, you know, that idea of what, what will resonate for sure. And there is some experimentation needs to happen to be able to, to get that. And there are certainly examples of, uh, you know, uh, posts that have done well that maybe I wouldn't have expected to, right? Um, but, uh, and then you hit on something that you you can, uh, maybe that becomes a new concept at that point that you explore further. But, uh, but when, you're, when you're starting out, you don't have the ability to just have that many shots that might end up going nowhere. And that's where uh, looking at some of the common mistakes that um, that companies can make or you know founders can make in the uh, uh, in the content that they produce is if you can avoid some of those. So that, I mean, the really big one that uh, I've talked about a lot. I I talk about it in the first book also because it's that big of a deal. Is that product focused content? So the ones that where it just goes straight straight on toward you should use our product or here's something brand new in our product. And that's really like common stuff to, to write, especially when you're first starting out because that's what you want to share about. But um, you'll, you'll find that that won't have the same resonance as something that really talks about the problem that is why you built the product. Um. Other ones, there's a uh, there's a scene in the office, the U.S. office. So sorry if I'm going outside the bounds of uh, of <laughs> of what you might have seen, Jack. But yeah, I've seen it um, twice, or three uh, times. <laughs> good. So there there's one where um, where Dwight is somehow on the the party planning committee, and uh, and so it's Kelly's birthday, and he has the the break room just like has a sign that said says it is your birthday and like the the balloons are like barely filled and they're gray and it's just like so generic and boring and i think of that and i actually in the in the book i uh every chapter starts with a tv or movie sort of reference that connects it and that's one for uh for why technical translators struggle is that office example because that like that is exactly what a lot of technical content looks like the sort of technical content that doesn't engage it's yeah might be product focused it's definitely not uh yeah not something that's going to engage and is is kind of kind of generic sort of content doesn't have an opinion in it it is just fact it is your birthday this is how this api or dev tool is used right and um, and so looking for ways to be a, 
a problem or the thing that would get a dev there in the first place or a reason why they would care about it is naturally going to be much, much more engaging than something that's just kind of just the facts. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense when you put it like that. Yeah. And is there like a kind of, is there like a gray area ever where it's like kind of, it's a bit about a new thing, but like if you really want to kind of promote this new thing that you've just built, for instance. Yeah. Well, I, I have talked and I think in the first book I, uh, I mentioned that announcement posts are, they're the hardest to write and that I read a ton of them when I was the editor of programmable web and, uh, and it's so the the phrase that I always looked for is proud to announce. Like that was the one where I knew like my eyes would glaze over and I would be like, okay, this is just a this is just a product pitch, right? Uh I think in those cases, thinking through how is this going to be used can make that better too. The gray area you talk about is at some point you do have to say <laughs> we have a new thing. And you want that to come pretty darn early for someone to know. But uh, know that the thing is new and that it's that it's there, but really having that foundation of why should I care about it? Um, uh, yeah, I, I include a, a headline, and you've probably heard me say this before, of the, uh, you know, company you know, you don't know releases product you don't care about. And, uh, and you want to avoid anything that looks looks like that yet that could be totally a template for a lot of those uh those kind of posts or announcements um but i think where a startup can sometimes uh go on this is that like you want to be you're doing a lot of work and so you want to tell people what's new and so maybe you have this sort of like release notes kind of blog post but then you go to the blog and it's like the last five posts or release notes, great, you've been doing stuff, but they all kind of blend together. Whereas you can imagine if if each of the things that you care about is listed there, even at the top, even if it happens to be release notes that's within it, um, that that would make you would you would be able to choose. Oh, which of those five should I look at? Not just uh, release notes for. April of 2023 or whatever, right? Like whatever the the headline is that you might use. So, I mean, a huge part of that's the headline, but then how is the actual post framed also? And I think it starts with that headline. So you're able to, to figure out what is the, what is the thing that's new? Why should I care about this? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's really helpful. Um, and then, so once we've kind of like, you know, got some sort of a direction on like the kind of content that we want to create, um, maybe narrowed down to some topics and we're, we're kind of focusing in on that. What kind of stuff are you seeing? Like the kind of successful content companies, not companies, but dev tool startups do. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not certain that this would be a good, like, brand new company strategy, but the it's one to, to think about and it comes down to that same concept topic thing, which is thinking about if you if your entire like if you were a media company, 
which is some of my background, right? Of uh, uh, of writing for companies that don't have products. <laughs> so being a journalist, what would kind of your beat be? What would your the categories be? And being able to to think in that think in that way, and that's where I mentioned uh, Log Rocket earlier. They have a great front end, primarily front ends dev blog that really would work as its own kind of media um, site. I mean, it would be right like if I was wanting to learn front end, it would be right up there with you know any other front end resource that doesn't happen to have a product. Which you know, Log Rocket has a a product that is for front end devs. So I think being able to think of what would that that area be that you would focus in on and how can you be helpful even without your product like that is i'm i'm seeing that work for companies like log rocket they do it at a much larger scale than probably you will as a as a, a small team but being able to see the beginnings of that um is uh i think a strategy that will will pay off. You'll find some uh, connection in those early topics that come out of those concepts, but then you're sort of planting those seeds for what could later become a large property that, that happens to also support your product. Yeah. And Adam, one of the things that is always really hard, um, I think especially as a startup, when you're putting a lot of things out there, um, is how do you know if it if it's good, how do you know if it's working? How do you know if you should sh- if you should do more of it? Yeah, and that's that's probably a a potential downside to that be a media company concept is that great if you're getting in a media company you want all sorts of like page views and then that gives you ad views and you know dot 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 profit. Not the case if you're a dev tool company, right? So, um. So I think looking looking in and recognizing the numbers that really matter, they might not be the sort of vanity metrics like lots of views that uh, that you're thinking of. You know, being number one on Hacker News feels awesome, but then it goes away <laughs> the next day, right? Um, and um, and so really looking for not only does someone come to this content, but you know, do they read it? Do they take any next step, which might be other content? So looking more for engagement metrics than um, than pure view metrics. And then that can also inform those those topics that you will pursue because you can ask yourself, what's the likelihood that someone reads this and they say, that there's a next logical step that you have something for. You have another piece of content or you have documentation or would they sign up because, because that's the next logical step to take from this piece of content. And so that gives gets you away from things that might, you know, people might consider top of funnel, huge volume sort of things. I mean, we had a real client who had a, like a, a jokes, like a developer jokes blog post that was their number one blog post. But 
like I'm not going to tell you who they were and what, but you can already know that that didn't connect to <laughs> to their product, right? Like you don't even need to know what their product is to know that uh, that a developer jokes uh, <laughs> post didn't connect to their product. Um, and so yeah, lots of views feels great to to have this steady stream, but there's not a connection to the product and even like like who's what developer is looking up developer jokes like it might might be like friends of developers who are wanting to <laughs> impress them with their ability to tell developer jokes right so it's even not even the right audience who's finding that and yet it you know has developer in the name it it's a yeah, there's technical topics within the within the post because you have to write about technical things to be able to understand the jokes, right? Like, it seems like it's technical content, but it's it's not. Like, being technical is not technical content is not enough, and you want to be able to to draw the connection between things, which I understand is on one hand probably seems counter to what I've said about don't mention the product, be away from the product. But that really gets back to why I put three chapters about translation <laughs> is that like, that is your job is to be able to, to make that translation between those. And, and so that comes down to yes, how you, how you, the work you do in between there, but also choosing those topics in the first place that have a logical connection to, to your product? Would that ever, would someone who's interested in that ever be interested in your product? So going back to the stoplight example that we did earlier, it's really easy to see how someone who's looking at open API, looking at API best practices, they might be interested in an API design tool. And how someone who is, reading this great front-end dev resource might be interested in a tool that helps them understand errors and other problems in their front-end code, which is what LogRocket's product is. So it doesn't have to be a direct connection, but it's, you know, it's kind of the, the people who are interested in this are interested in this kind of thing from like e-commerce, right? Like you have to be able to have a similar kind of approach to uh, the content concepts that you arrive on. And then, yeah. And then looking at, do we see that there are signs of engagement here that would lead us to continue to invest in this concept? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like, you're like feasibly, would they buy, would the person reading this be, be interested in your tool? And are you seeing evidence that, people are reading it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really like the example that you spoke about in the first episode we did. Um, the Jedi Jedi developer mind trick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is definitely embedded in, in here too, right? That's, uh, and so the, the idea for the quick, quick recap on what that is, it is, describing how someone would solve a problem, the problem your product solves without using your product. And that the deeper you can go in there and I 
probably gave the example of Launch Darkly, which does this really well. And there's a great talk from the one of the co-founders of Launch Darkly about how when she did an engineering degree, she had to build a hammer, like a physical hammer. And she was given wood and metal and some plastic and a blueprint. Like, this is how you build a hammer. And she spent 80 hours or more building this hammer. And it wasn't even that good, she said. And right, this is a hammer that you can go down to the, any hardware store and get off the rack for uh, for not a lot, right? And But going through that process and seeing like, wow, it actually takes a lot to build a good hammer. That definitely would, would for her, I bet she's never built another hammer. She's, <laughs> she's definitely buying hammers, right? Uh, she learned, yes, I could build a hammer, but I don't want to. And that's what the mind trick does too. Here are this, this solution, which might seem simple to you, actually has a lot of edge cases that you haven't thought about yet. So let me tell you about these edge cases. Let me tell you how to watch out for them, how to, how to solve for them. It's pretty hard. Oh, by the way, we've already solved them. Like that's kind of the, <laughs> the, the argument. And it's not even an argument because the, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, that's build versus buy. Like I know all about build versus buy. Well, build versus buy document probably comes in a PDF and it makes a head-on case for you should buy this, obviously. Here's how much it costs you to build it. And uh, yeah, and and the mind trick does not go head-on. It's, you know, it's the, these are not the droids you're looking for. It's It's the... <laughs> You you can build this, but by the way, you don't want to. Yeah, like you actually do set out to share the secrets to tell them. Okay, this is how you actually yeah. build it. These are all the considerations. Yep. Like, with if someone was sufficiently motivated and maybe it's like in many cases uh, maybe ill advised, then yes, they could exactly. go out and build, follow it, and build this thing uh, themselves. Yeah. And uh, by the way, this this book technical content strategy decoded is its own kind of <laughs> its own kind of mind trick. I my goal really is to like to l- give people everything they need to be able to do it. Uh I think the vast majority of readers are going to be able to implement it on their own and there'll be some that become clients of every developer and that's, you know, that's like that is, uh, that's my motivation, you know, the one motivation for writing it. The other is, of course, to be able to help all of those that, uh, that wouldn't become customers of every developer. Very likely, new startups would not, for example. I want to give them everything they can to have, uh, to have a good shot at creating great content. And maybe down the line, they will become uh, an every developer client. Yeah, 100%. And and that fits like really neatly with like open source and kind of, you know, that whole like share everything, you know, and it sounds like this book is like everything that, you know, and then, you know, the only yeah, thing I, 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 is, I'm definitely not, not holding back any, any secrets in here. I'm, I'm putting as, as much out as I, as I can. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned open source, you know, that's a huge part of the developer life, obviously. And, um, and I think that's a great sign of what developers value and why this approach of educating developers works with them is that 
the the currency of developers is knowledge exchange. I mean, within an organization, you have to you have to share what you know about the system, right? You you want your your fellow engineers to be able to build things. And the same is true externally with open source. And um and so I think there's is a there's a through line there. Uh I, I don't have a specific open source chapter in this book, though I have one in the in developer marketing does not exist. And the reason for that was because of how how key that piece is into the developer experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's amazing. It's like, yeah. If you know if you know so much, show me if you, you know, show me what you know and uh show me how you did it and yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. Um and so where can people I mean I I want a copy of this book. I'm I'm on the list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> how yeah. do we uh, so I think by the time that this is out, it will be available. You can okay. go to everydeveloper.com for sure to find it. And Jack will get a, a special link that you can put in the show notes uh, that at least will at least will work for the, the earliest read, uh, listeners. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So yeah, I mean, we're not doing any kind of affiliates or anything, but I just really like <laughs> what Adam's doing and I love his book and stuff. So yeah, if you uh, if you like the podcast, if you like Adam's uh, what Adam's had to say, definitely go get that book. You definitely won't regret it. It's uh, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. The first one was was brilliant, and I think you'll see it shared around a lot um, on Twitter. If you go to Adam's site, you'll probably see a lot of familiar names tweeting about it. Um, so yeah, definitely get hold of a copy. Excellent, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for joining, Adam. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, see you again soon. Bye-bye.